the 13th of November, 2008, episode 104. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Deciding to become a freelance designer might seem like one of those decisions that's going to be one of the easier ones in your life, but uh, there's a lot more things to think about than you might actually take into account. And one of those is how you're actually going to get payment from the clients that you do work for. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about this today, and it comes from a forum post that I saw. I thought it was an important topic. I think it's probably been discussed on this show before, but it is a very important topic. So we're going to be talking about uh, getting payments or how to make sure that you can get your payments from your clients once you do the work for for them. Uh, Before we jump right into the topic, just a couple of items to point out before that. Um, Nothing really new going on with the show or the website Uh, A couple items I do still need to get worked out. First of all is the forum. Uh, Like I said a couple episodes ago, I have been getting lots and lots of spammers still trying to sign up. They're not actually getting through to the forum anymore, which is good. So we don't have the the spam posts with lots of links or inappropriate pictures on them. But uh, I, I do still have just tons and tons of people trying to sign up or spammers trying to sign up for the forum. So um, I do need to upgrade it. It's it's probably about five versions too old. This does mean, though, that we're probably going to lose the theme on there and things are going to look a little bit different. I know uh, it is annoying to get used to something new like that, but that might have to be the case. I'm going to look for something that's similar to what we have right now. But obviously the main, the main thing there is not losing any of the posts that we have up there, any of the data that's that's already up there. So... That's going to be the main thing, but look for that change to happen maybe, um, uh, I'll say in like a month or two, because I always end up saying soon, and then it doesn't happen for a month or two. So um, that's probably going to happen sooner than sooner than later, hopefully. Uh, another thing is um, my ambitious uh, dreams of having kind of a blog that had news on it. Uh, that didn't seem to pan out either, and that's when you go straight to rookiedesigner.com. Um, you'll get to that page that had some news on it and uh, it just I just didn't have enough time for that so I think that's probably going to end up going away and rookiedesigner.com will probably just redirect right to the the actual podcast page so that we'll be able to use that instead Um, that's it for what's going on with the site Uh, I did receive my creative suite for yesterday so I got that all installed so if you're a watcher of the app clinic podcast um, you can look forward to seeing some new CS4 tutorials in there. Um, I do still have CS3 installed on my machine, so I'm going to at least attempt to, you know, if I'm showing something in CS4 um, that there's a different method for doing it in CS3, I'll be able to show that as well because I don't want to leave people in the dark that, you know, aren't, don't have the ability to upgrade just yet. But I do want to get, you know, into the new features of the new suite because there are some pretty sweet features, you might say. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that. 
And of course, uh, App Clinic is still going strong. If anybody listens to this and doesn't know about it, it is a video podcast that shows tutorials uh, basically just in the creative suite now. I used to do some other ones, and every once in a while I'll do a different one. And also every once in a while I like to show um, smaller applications that I like to use, which I actually did this week. Um, but for the most part, it's working in Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign, uh, sometimes Acrobat, sometimes Dreamweaver, but basically those main the mainstay applications that most of us designers use um, some tu tutorials in those so check that out um, I'll take this time also to thank everybody for joining me and thanks for tuning in downloading the podcast subscribing whatever it is you do um, you're obviously helping me out by supporting the podcast and uh, you know a couple things that I also ask of you is just to mention this show to other people you know, if you enjoy the show, you get something out of it, mention it to other people that maybe are in school with you or at work with you that you think might get something out of it. And that's the way we grow the the listener base because I don't have the funds to be advertising on websites and, and such. Uh, the other thing is, if you have anything you want aired on the show, you can send me an email or you can uh, post something on the forum. And if you have a capability to record some audio, I always welcome that as well. If you want to pose an issue or go off on your own little rant about something, you can definitely record some audio and send it to me, and I will include it in the show. Um, the email address for the show has changed, as I said in a previous episode. Um, no more with the Adam at RookieDesigner.com. That is still around for now. It's forwarding to the new address, but it is going away pretty soon. So make sure that you update your address books or your email clients or whatever. And the new one is going to be RD Podcast. That's RD as in Rookie Designer. So rdpodcast at gmail.com. So make sure you use that new one if you want to send me um, anything. Other than that, I think we just have our sponsor, which is GoToMeeting. And GoToMeeting, of course, gives you a great way to meet with other people online. Um, it lets you, it allows you to set up a meeting, and others can attend it through their web browser, and they can see everything that's going on on your screen. So you're you're essentially sharing your screen with all the people that are on this meeting. And obviously, it's cost-effective because people don't have to fly or drive to wherever you're at. They could be across the entire world, and you could be having um, the equivalent of a face-to-face -face meeting with them, being able to show them what you've done by showing them your desktop. And uh, it's very affordable because you pay one flat fee, and you meet as many times as you need to meet. And uh, you... Uh, you get that instant feedback because you're not only sharing with them your desktop or whatever going on on your screen, but you're also talking to them over the phone or over voice over IP. So you get that instant feedback. You can show them something and get their opinion on what's going on. Uh, you can try this for free if you want. You just need to go to this URL, gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. Uh, you can try it for 30 days, and in those 30 days, you can do as many meetings as you need to do to check it out. Uh, the link is also on rookiedesigner.com slash rookie in the show notes. Uh, there's a little link at the bottom if you want to click on that link. To, it'll take you to the page that you need to sign up to try that for free. All right. So um, this week I was actually, I, I had a little bit of time this morning. This is, I'm probably the first time I've ever actually done the podcast on the same day that I'm going to release it. So uh, that's, I guess, a milestone maybe. I don't know. Um, 
But I had a little bit of time this morning, so I figured, hey, I might as well put out another podcast, even though we did one just last week, because uh, my schedule is, uh, you know, it's never the same. So when I have some time, I figure I might as well crank one out. I actually had a different topic in mind, because I, I viewed a video um, that I'm going to end up putting up on the forum. I'll put up a, a link to the video, because I, I think it poses a pretty good question uh, I'm not going to put that question out there just yet because I, I probably am going to use this for the next podcast that I put out. But uh, I was going through the forum because I don't get to go up there all that often anymore. And I found a post that was kind of asking, you know, what do I do when I have a client that just refuses to pay? And not not really refuses to pay, but they're constantly late in paying their bills. Um and I think this is a huge issue, and it's something that I've heard from many, many people. Um, of course, freelancers, because that's generally who this is going to happen to. If you work for a larger company or an agency or something, they obviously have the people in these positions that are the ones that make sure that people pay their bills. But when you're a freelancer, it's all you. You know, you're the whole business, so you need to take care of all aspects of the business. And I thought, you know. I think I've, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's such an important topic that that I thought, you know, maybe we should just cover this again and go over some of the things. Um, first of all, I want to thank, um, and these are going to be the, the the screen names of the people from the forum, uh, Sweet Traven. Sweet Traven, I think, is uh, the the person that posted the actual question of what to do when people keep playing, trying to pay you late. And uh, Curtis McHale is somebody that was putting up a lot of very, very good answers to this question. Uh, I finally actually put a post on this myself, um, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to this particular thread in the forum because I think it's a good one. And, and Curtis McHale, again, had some very, very good advice Um so I'll be sharing some of that, some of what he said, and then some of my own opinions as well of, of what to do with clients that, you know, are just kind of chronic about not paying their bills on time. What you can do, there's a lot of things that you can do really in the beginning to kind of cover your ass and make sure that this doesn't happen. Now, once you set up these little mechanisms, they're not guaranteed to work. So if they don't work and your client still is giving you trouble, well, the end all be all, I guess, is when you work with somebody and they do this to you, um, you, you just probably shouldn't work with them anymore. Either that or you just need to kind of lay it out all, lay it all out on the table and say, you know, I'm, I've been having this problem with you. Um, if we can't get this resolved, then I'm going to have to stop working with you. And again, it comes down to the fact that, okay, you're a freelancer. You're doing this to pay your bills. You need every client that you can get. But sometimes you got to just say no, you know, because you could be wasting time working on something that you're not going to see payment for for three months when maybe you could be using that time to go out and find another client who will pay you on time. So you really, there's a lot of decisions to be made when you're freelancing like this, but uh, sometimes you, you got to take the trade off and maybe make a little bit less money um, up front or what have you, uh, maybe not have that steady client anymore. Maybe you have to kind of go out and, and produce those those other clients, but you might find yourself in a better position if you do so, uh, having a client that actually pays you on time, which is always a good thing. So uh, I think I'll start out by um, going over the forum posts. 
So, like I said, the, the post was made, you know, what was it called? It's called Late Payments from Clients. And it says, I'm, I'm constantly having to chase clients down to pay me. Um, it says they own a small business at home, and when a client takes over two months to pay, it really hurts us financially. Obviously, I mean, like I said, you're, you're using this money to pay your bills. You're using it to keep your business going. Um, you need to have those payments on time. Uh, so they say, does anyone have tips for, for keeping this from happening? And like I said, pretty much Curtis McHale nailed this one with uh, about four or five different posts. First and foremost, and was the first thing that he brought up is, um, there, he says, there's only one client I don't use a contract for, my father. And that's because he does work for his father and doesn't make a pay. Uh, this, I think, is probably one of the most key items to, to making sure that things work as a freelancer. And in my post, I kind of reiterated and I said, a contract has to be used for everyone. You know, whether it's somebody that you don't know, whether it's a stranger that you're working for for the first time, or whether it's somebody that's in your family or somebody that's related, or, you know, you got a job through your brother's wife or something like that. You need to use a contract and you should be using the same exact contract every time. Now, there are going to be different stipulations, uh, you know, depending on what the project is, how long it's going to take and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, for the basis of, you know, the terms of how they're going to pay, when they're going to pay, um, when the work is going to be done and how it's going to be done and, and how you guys interact with each other, that should always be the same. And that just that just goes back to being a professional, you know. You're not going to change terms all that often for for every single client. Now, like I said, projects are different. Clients are different. Sometimes it's going to be a necessity to make amend, amendments to that contract um, for, for different things. But when it comes to the just the main like solid principles of what you're using that contract for, which first of all is to come up with an agreement on a certain price and the amount of work that's going to be done and usually uh, the time frame that it's going to be done in you know those things shouldn't change all that much um let me go back to this first post again uh he also goes uh curtis McHale goes on to say as for late payments if you don't have a contract that spells out late payment terms then you can't really charge really charge it and that's definitely that's definitely something that you have to build into the contract like he's saying or at least agree upon before you start doing the work so you can't you know say okay we're going to charge you two hundred dollars for this and then they're two months late you know you've already done the work you've already given them the work and now you want to say well if you don't give me that two hundred dollars then i'm going to charge you an extra 25 or 35 dollars you can't really say that it's not legal to do that you know if they're dumb enough to pay that too hey more power to you but really you have to outline that in the contract beforehand. And what I've done in my contract is I've added kind of a little stipulation that says if, if the payment isn't received within 15 days of the delivery, when I give them the files, if they don't pay me 15 days from, from that actual date, then they're going to incur kind of like a finance penalty fee and that's just like a percentage of the total cost or the total remaining balance that they owe me. So um, you can do it several different ways. You could have like a late fee. You can have a percentage like I do. It really doesn't matter. And 
as Curtis pointed out, and, and I definitely agree with this, it's not always about getting a late fee from somebody. Late fees are built in there to scare people into paying on time, or it's just motivation for them to pay on time. And many times, you know, you'll have that kind of late fee kick in and you'll have a customer pay the remaining balance but not the late fee, which is fine because the late fee isn't really something that we're banking on. We're not we're not uh building our business on late fees. You know, some businesses do do that, you know, like banks probably make quite a bit of money off of late fees, but we're in the business of just doing the work and getting paid for the work that we do. So late fees are just extra motivation for them to pay on time. And if it, all that, if, if that's all that happens from a late fee, it at least gives you lever, the leverage to say, hey, you know, it's been a month and I haven't received the payment from you. If you don't pay me, we as we agreed in the contract, you owe me this extra money and maybe that will get them to, uh, you know, write a check right away and say, Oh, uh, can we waive that late fee if I pay you right now? Um, it's, it's the ultimate goal here. So I think it's, it's something that, you know, it's no skin off our back. If we don't get that late fee, we just want to get the payment anyways. Moving on the next topic. And I think we've talked about this one as well. Um, but another question from the same person was, on another note, I've been giving, giving away my source files, and I know that's not the best move. How much is usually charged for a source file? Um, and this was another one. Uh, Curtis answered this one as well. And he says, as far as source files go, it really depends on what the usage will be. And this is something that, that brings up another argument that people have about what to charge people and, and changing the charges that you that you charge a different company. But I think this is a perfect, perfect example of when it's okay to charge a lot more to a larger company. Um, he says, if you're selling the source files to Pepsi, then the charge is probably pretty high as the usage will be international. Uh, and he goes on to say, if you're selling an illustration for $1,000 and they wanted the original AI files, the Illustrator files, I would charge at least an extra $500. Uh, they are essentially buying the right to not use you for further work. So, and this is the biggest point here. And I kind of reiterated in my post the same thing. Let's just read what I said, if I can find it. So I said, uh, if you're selling the source files to a huge company, the cost should be much higher as they will be using it on a much larger scale. Just like he said, if you're selling files to Pepsi, they're going to be using that internationally or at least nationally. So it's going to be used a lot more. And if you look at things like stock photography, I know there's a lot of great sites out there that are um, royalty free, like iStock photos or something like that. That's a different case. There's no royalties on that. You pay one flat fee, you use it as much as you want. If you want to do that with your artwork, uh, that's, that's just fine, but you just realize that you're you're going to be losing out on some things if you go to other sites though and you you purchase a photo that does actually incur royalties you're going to notice that there's different plans set up for it you're going to have to pay a different price if you're using it say just in a local newspaper that only reaches i don't know let's say like twenty thousand people as opposed to if you're going to use it in a magazine that's going to be you know, distributed nationally and it's going to reach like a million people. You're going to pay a much higher price because it's actually touching more, uh, more people. It's actually being used more. So don't ever think that you shouldn't be charging more to a larger company that's going to use something 
on a larger scale. You definitely, absolutely should. Uh, the second point that he had uh, is, I think, one of the best ones as well. And uh, I'll read what I said here. As far as I'm concerned, the source files are much more valuable than the final output because the client has the right to take your source files to another designer and have them repurposed. And this is kind of what he was saying. You're basically giving them um, the right to not work with you anymore. They have your source files. They can muck them up themselves if they want to, which many people will do. Or they can, let's say that they, they want to save money on a designer. So they can take your files now and take them to some other designer and have them do whatever they want to do to them. Um, this this rubs me the wrong way on, on several different levels. But first of all, now my artwork is in the hands of somebody else and they're going to do whatever they want to it. I don't like that. Um, the other thing is, you know, they don't have to come back to me now. So for this reason, I never offer to sell source files. And I, I don't recommend that anyone ever offers to sell or give source files to a client. They are paying you to make a final piece of artwork, whether it be a website, whether it be a, a PDF that's going to be you know, distributed over email, whether it be a printed brochure, anything like that, that's what they're paying for. They're not paying for the source files. Um, if you want to get into sell, selling the source files, that's your own deal, and it's going to be different with every case. Like I said, it's going to depend on what they want to use it for, you know, how much usage it's going to get, and this is where it gets dicey. I mean, this some people aren't going to know this. Some of your smaller clients are just going to want the files, you know, just to make sure that they have them. Um, and and that brings up another point that I'll get to in just a second. But they, they just want to know that they have the files and they don't know what they're going to do with them. So what do you charge then? I mean, it's gonna it, there's going to be situations where it's going to be kind of hard to figure out what to charge them. So uh, like I said, I don't offer to do that. It's only when the client feels very strongly that they need to have the actual source files. And really the only time that I've done it is I had a client that I was no longer going to be working for. And um, I had done lots and lots of work for them. So they actually wanted to have the files. And that was that was a point where I actually don't think I charged them extra for the files because it was kind of after the fact. Uh, I was no longer going to be working for them anymore. And I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a good idea to give them those files because then I wouldn't have to, you know, get those those random emails, oh, you know, we need to make a change to this. Can you send me the file? So I made them a big DVD full of all the projects that I ever made for them. And uh, I actually ended up giving them to them. Now, that's definitely a situation where I could have said, uh, you know, I need to have a little extra money for this because I generally don't give the source files out. I could have done that, you know, but I decided with a client that, that I knew that I had been working for for a long time, I decided that it was okay for me to give them the files. But source files really are are the key to getting people to come back and use you again. You know, if they need to make updates to something, then they have to come back to you to make those updates and you make more money. So it's really your key to repeat business. So selling or giving away of source files is really not a good idea. Uh, I had another point and now I totally forgot what it was. Oh yeah, so uh, something that you might want to add to a contract as well, or maybe just to some kind of agreement that you would have with a client. Um, one of the reasons I got back, I was working with a marketing lady 
that got me some some different clients. And one of her uh, reasons for wanting source files from me was that uh, she had worked with another designer and they did some work and she went back to the designer six months later, wanted to make some updates or changes to some of the files and that designer did not have those files anymore. Um, kind of a standard practice that I've had as a freelancer is that I will keep the files for one year. So I'll keep them from for up to one year um, from the time that I finished the project. And this is something that I communicate to the customer. Um, it's something that you could possibly write in your contract as well. But, you know, if it's somebody that you're going to be working for for a long time, that's when, okay, I'm going to keep all these, all these files. If it's a repeat customer that I have time and time again, I'm going to be keeping all their files. And I always keep all the files anyways. I still have CDs full of files that I did, you know, three years ago. That's just kind of who I am. But you lay down the law, you set this precedent for, you know, the amount of time that you're responsible for keeping the files and there's no confusion there then. Then, you know, if it's somebody that you work for once and maybe you never hear from them again, after that one year, you outline to them that you're keeping these files for one year. If they come back to you after that one year, you can say, well, I don't have these files. It was right there in the contract or in the agreement that we had that I would keep the files for one year, after which I'm not responsible for that. That gives them kind of, you know, a time frame to either come back to you and, and give you more work and make changes, or if they're not going to work with you anymore and they want those files, they can come back to you and try and purchase the files from you or get the files from you in some other manner. So that's something else that you might want to add in there. The third question on here and uh, another very, very good one was, is it possible to have a customer pay before they actually receive the final file in the needed format? I'm thinking this would also help relieve the stress of having to wait for payment or chase customers down who are past due. Uh, again, Curtis had uh, some thoughts on this one and I do as well. And in my opinion, this is probably the best way to make sure that people pay and pay on time is to actually make them pay at the time of delivery. So when you're giving them the final files or whatever is needed, you know, for that final piece that they asked you to create, that's when you have them pay you. Um, Curtis is actually talking about websites. Uh, he says, I generally collect, generally collect final payment for a site and only then upload it to the client server. So he's not, he's got it on his own server and he's, he's able to, you know, show it and have the client view it and the client can tell, you know, their brother to go up on the website and look at it too. So it's, it's completely available to them. And this is why websites are probably the easiest one to do. It's not actually, they don't have the files yet. Uh, if they're if they were smart enough, there was there's ways that they could probably get all the files from that. But generally, you're you're not going to have people do that. But you know, this is pretty much a safe way to do it. Is say, okay, here's all the work. It's done. I need to receive final payment from you. Once that is done, then I will transfer these files to your server, thus giving you the files. Um, he says, I, I also generally don't get fi give final approval to printers or send my work to the printer until I get final payment. Uh, this one is a little bit harder, I think. Sometimes you might be working towards a deadline and you need to get it to the printer by a certain time uh, to get the job done, in, you know, to, get, to give the printer time enough to print the thing to get them to get the, uh, the files or to get the whatever they're printing 
to the client in time. But again, this, this can work into your favor because if they have a hard deadline, you have to get to the files to the printer by you know this certain date, then you can say, well, I need to pay get paid by that date as well. Otherwise, the, pr the printer is not going to get those files from me. Um, sometimes it's tough love. You know, you have to set those deadlines. You have to set those conditions for the client. Uh, sometimes you you really just have to draw that line in the sand and say, I'm not going to give you the files until you pay me. Um, there could be several different explanations as to why you're doing that. It doesn't really matter though. In the end, it's you're running a business and you need to be paid for the work that you've done in a timely manner. So, you know, that is definitely, that is definitely something that you can do. You know, if you feel that that you're you're comfortable saying you know I'm not going to give you these files until until you pay me, then that's something that you need to go ahead and do. Like I said, it's a little it's a little easier with websites because the website is still you know they can fully access it. It's up there. Um, they can test it out. They can try it. They can see what it's going to actually look like when it's done. Yet they don't have the files yet. So that one's a little bit easier. It's it's a little bit harder when you get into the printed materials. Um, because, like I said, I mean, you can run into problems with deadlines and things like that. But, you know, either you can use that to your advantage or, uh, I hate to say it, but you can let them take advantage of you. Because if you choose to actually let them be billed later, then you, you're automatically running the risk that they might pay you late. And that's just the, the way things are. And generally, people do pay things late, you know. Uh, I've found that working at the, the job that I work at, we have a we have a person that actually their entire job is to call people. Um, he's kind of like the the collections agency for our company. He calls people and he figures out you know what's going on. Why haven't we received payment from you? And he has plenty of work. <laughs> he's been working there for a couple of years already, and he still has plenty of work. So it's it's just a general fact of nature that people will pay things late if they can get away with it. So these are the things that we're trying to do to, to avoid that, to avoid that situation before it actually happens. So I had a couple of points that I thought were the most important. Uh, one of those we already covered, which is the, the fact that you shouldn't cater to anybody, you know, whether you're working with somebody you don't know or working with someone who you, you're friends with or might be part of your extended family, you should always try and at least start off with that same contract. At least start off with those same expectations of what you, you want to receive from the person you're working for and what they should expect to receive from you. That should never change. That's just good business right there. Um, my second one is always get a deposit. And when we con talked about contracts before, this was uh, the big topic then, and it's still the big topic because this is a way, if, you, if, if the system completely breaks down and the, whoever you were working for, whoever you did work for, decides that they're not going to pay the rest of the balance, um, generally it's, it, you know, you have a contract, you could take that person to court, but I'd say generally, we're not working for thousands and thousands of dollars. So it's not going to be worth our own money to take this person to court and get that money back from them. So one of the best ways to at least recoup something from the work that you did is to get paid up front. 
And this is very standard. You know, it's something that people will probably be uncomfortable with, uncomfortable asking their clients for, but you shouldn't be because it's, uh, it's, it's very standard practice and it's something that everyone should absolutely do. So you build something into your contract that says, you know, we need a deposit down before any work starts on the project. And this can be anywhere from, you know, 15 to 25 to, I say up to 50% is reasonable. I think that's reasonable. And um, what I have done with clients in the past, I might start it out at, you know, 50% or 45. I think I usually kept it around 35 or 40% of the total cost of the project. And that would be my starting point. So when I do work for someone I've never worked for before, I would say, hey, I need 40% uh, of the cost upfront to get this project going. Um, once I've worked with that person a few times, I might lower that percentage a bit because I'm, you know, building a relationship with this person. I'm gaining trust in them that they're actually going to pay me. Therefore, I can, you know, ask for less upfront. And it's in some cases, you know, if it was a job that was, you know, a very small amount of money in total cost, then sometimes I would actually even waive the the uh, deposit. But this is somebody, of course, that I've been working for for a while, so I don't have any fear that I'm not going to see that money in the end. So that's why I was able to actually get to that point where I waived the, the deposit altogether. But I can't say it enough. You have to always get a deposit because, like I said, you know, if you have 40% of the costs and they skip town on the rest of the bill, at least you have 40% of the payment for what you did. And again... You know, it's not the most comfortable of things asking somebody, asking a stranger for money before you even do anything for them. But, you know, it's it's business. It's something that, that sometimes has to be done. And like I said, you know, if they don't understand that you have to build this trust in them, first of all, before that you can, you can start, you know, either lowering the deposit or waiving it altogether, then maybe that's not somebody you need to be doing business with. Uh, also brought up in this thread was uh, sample contracts, and there are several sample contracts out on the on the web that you can find that can help you write your own contract. Um, I used to have my own up there that you could download and check out, and uh, I actually took down that page. So uh, in this thread or in my response, I actually posted that link again. So if you go there, you can find it. It's just a PDF that you can um, open up and check out. And I always give the disclaimer, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I haven't had a lawyer look at this thing. I just kind of used the samples that were out there on the web and customized it to what I wanted to put in my contract and what I thought I needed uh, for my clients. So you can take a look at that and kind of craft your own. Um, there, like I said, there's lots of websites out there. If you just kind of Google um, design contracts, you'll be able to find a lot of examples out there and also some other websites of people giving you advice on what to put in your contract and how to word it and stuff like that. So uh, I think that's very helpful and very necessary. You know, there's still a lot of designers out there working without a contract and that is just plain insanity. You know, uh, if you want to work for free, you definitely can. And if you work without a contract, sometimes you're going to find yourself working for free whether you wanted to or not because there is nothing legally binding that person to pay you for the work that you've done. So that's why it's crazy. So don't ever do that. Always work with the, always work with, with a contract. Um, and it's just good to have an agreement with the person that you're going to be working with. 
Uh, so I think that's pretty much it. I think we covered most of what will be going on there. Like I said, there is a thread up there. So if you have more questions, you can put them up on the forum and, uh, definitely myself or definitely Curtis is very knowledgeable on the topic. And I know some other people probably are as well. Uh, if you have any questions though, this is probably the most important thing about, uh, starting your own, your own freelance company or just working as a freelancer you just got to remember that there it's a business, you know, it's not just design. You can't just focus on the design. There's a lot more that goes with it. A lot more things that you have to deal with that maybe you wouldn't if you were working for an agency or another company. So, uh, important things to remember. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Uh, I recorded the podcast last time and realized that I didn't even do the bullpen i forgot to actually put up a resource so um in keeping with the whole theme of contracts and getting payments from clients i wanted to i actually went and searched and found a page that looks pretty good has a lot of uh, like sample contracts and different uh websites that give tips on writing a contract so that's actually going to be in our bullpen today and I'll actually read this one. It's not too bad. It's uh, allgraphicdesign.com slash graphicdesign dash contractsforms.html. And that'll be in the show notes as well. You can just click on it. I also found another one on about.com, uh, a, a website that I definitely recommend. They have lots of good design information on here. Um, but there's a little article that says five contract must-haves for web designers. So I didn't want to make this the main focus because it's kind of geared towards web designers, but there's some good information in here as well that does apply to other things. Um, but these two things will be up in the bullpen or they'll be in the show notes. Um, so you can go click on those and check them out if you're trying to write a contract. And uh, once again, I'll also have a link to the thread that I've been talk about, talking about in the show in our forum, which... Um, you can go see my sample contract and there's also a link to another one in that same thread. So uh, plenty of resources for you to go check out and uh, figure out how to customize your own contract and make things uh, come out the way you want them, hopefully. So hopefully uh, we got some good tips out of this show and uh, we'll help you receive your payments for the work that you've been, that you've been doing. That's always a good thing. Um, I think that's about it for this time. I just wanted to remind you that the the email address for this podcast has changed. Again, it's rdpodcast, as in rookie designer podcast. So rdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to the forum at rookiedesigner.com slash forum. You can go to MySpace, myspace.com slash designer. And uh, those are all great ways to contact me. Uh, if you have any topics for the show, definitely send them in uh, or any other comments or a question for me, uh, just send it through one of those ways. Uh, the email is probably the best way to get through to me and get an answer uh, fairly quickly. I use that a little bit loosely though, because it usually takes me quite a while to get back. So uh, but that is definitely the fastest way to get something to me. Um, Again, if you have other people that you work with or go to school with that you think might benefit from listening to this show, please tell them where to get it, tell them how to get it, and uh, you know, increase the listenership of this podcast. I'd really appreciate it. But uh, thanks to everyone for, again, joining me 
downloading and subscribing, however you get the show. Thanks for supporting us. And uh, just remember, everybody's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high.